So we've talked in the last few weeks about conscience. We've talked about guilt. But today, let us talk about the mercy of God. There was a five-year-old boy in Sunday school class one day, and the teacher told them the story of the prodigal son that we just heard. And when she ended, she asked the class, who was the most upset when the son came back, the younger son? Little five-year-old boy raised his hand. He said, the fattened calf. can imagine. God sent his son into the world to redeem us, to take away our sin, to forgive and cleanse us and restore us back into friendship with God. But if that was all, there would still be a part of redemption that would be incomplete because we also need Jesus to heal some of the damaging effects of sin that we find in our life. My own personal sins and the sins of other people around me can wound my capacity to receive love and to give love. And I need Jesus to heal that. We also need Jesus to heal our minds because sometimes what can happen is sin can leave us in darkness, in confusion, with serious doubts and twisted understandings of the truth about God, about ourselves, and about other deep things of life. And the reason why this healing is so important and necessary is because these things affect how we relate with God. Without knowing it, we can often project onto God not only the good experiences of human love, but also the broken ones. For example, if I have been around or lived with people who are always angry, I can think that God is like that. I can project that onto God and think that God is always angry with me. If I have lived around people or with people that are often critical or nitpicky, I can project that onto God unknowingly and wrongly think that God also is looking at me with a critical eye that he's only looking at all my faults and imperfections. If I have lived with people that are emotionally distant, I can project that onto God and think that God is far away from me, that God is not personally involved in my life, 
that God does not care. If I have lived with people or been around people that hold grudges for days and weeks on end, I can wrongly think that God stays mad at me, that God does not forgive easily or quickly, and that somehow I have to try to placate God and get back in His favor in order to earn forgiveness. These are just some of the broken images of God that we can have. This is, for example, why some people will be neurotic, doubtful, and suspicious of the mercy of God even after they've made a good confession. What also makes this difficult is that we carry in the front of our minds the answers that we have learned and memorized from the catechism or from the Bible that God does indeed love us, that God is infinitely merciful. But in the back of our minds, and sometimes embedded deep in our subconscious, are these disfigured images that have formed over time through our imperfect experience of love in a fallen world. And unfortunately, it is these broken images that can often dominate and determine how I act and react toward God, toward the experience of sin, and the trials and hardships of life. This is why last week I mentioned in our discussion on guilt that one of the reasons why we delay the homecoming, why we wallow in guilt, is because we are afraid that we will not be received with mercy and with love. Jesus, the good news, is that Jesus knows this. Jesus knows that many people walk around with broken images of God, broken images of His mercy and love, and therefore broken images of themselves and other people. And He knows that this is why we are sometimes afraid to go quickly back to God after we sin, and why we struggle to believe that God has forgiven us. And so Jesus, in His mercy, gives us this beautiful parable of the prodigal son. And through this parable, Jesus is giving the right answer to the question that is often in the heart of every sinner. What is God like when I sin? What is God like when I fall? And how will God treat me 
When I come back to him, how will I be treated? And Jesus gives this amazingly wonderful and beautiful portrayal of his father and what the heart of his father is really like. And it's almost too wonderful and good to be true. But the good news is that it is true. And this means that when you and I come to our senses, like the prodigal son, and the moment we make the slightest turn back to God, God makes up the distance. He quickly embraces us, wraps us in his arms, smothers us with affectionate, tender kisses, puts a ring on our finger, sandals on our feet, which means that we are immediately reinstated fully as children of God. This is the God that you and I encounter in our prayer, in the confessional, in the Eucharist. This is the true and right image. So when Jesus comes to us now today in the Eucharist, the message is clear. He's saying to all of us, if you have any broken images of my heavenly Father and of me, let me heal them. Please give them to me and let me help you to let them go. And let me seal on your minds and in your heart this beautiful image of my Father and His mercy as an indelible mark that you will never forget so that you can be confident and trusting that when you go to my Father or to me and ask forgiveness, you can be certain that you will be loved and that you will be immediately forgiven. Jesus wants this for us so that we can dance for joy and celebrate after every experience of mercy. This is good news, is it not? Amen.